Hey everybody and welcome back to season two of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. New season, yeah. new things that are killing you. <laughs> more people. More swearing. <laughs> a little more vulgar because we're yeah. at this point we're season two, right? Yep. We're not trying to impress no one. Well, we already did that. Yeah, we already we're did done. that in season one. Because <laughs> we impressed so many people. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Great. How was your summer, friend? Uh, it was good. It felt really calm and relaxed until we were in Manitoba, and then it was no longer calm and relaxed. <laughs> and then I was in Montreal for three weeks dancing with Triple Light Fantastic. How was it? Was it fun? It was so How was fun. Dancing? How was dancing? Yeah. Dancing was great. Yeah. I like dancing. It's good. I like being in really um, collaborative rehearsal processes where I feel like I am valued and heard and appreciated for showing up every day. Yeah. So that's what... It was three weeks of feeling really great about myself as a mover. That's good. While I was there. Yeah. And even though there was 14 of us and then four company members there every day, you never... I never felt like I was just, like, part of the ensemble. Yeah. Um, felt like... Felt valued. And it was great. Would suggest? Would suggest. Anybody that wants to do an intensive with Triple A Fantastic and Mascara Jean Green. She's great. Mm-hmm. Highly suggest. Go to Montreal. Uh, we got to wear black balaclavas with fake flowers all over them and drag 30 feet of astroturf around on the stage. Yay. It was great. It was fun. It was really, really what fun. What was the girl's name again, sorry? Kira Jean Green. Hmm. Is the artistic director, choreographer, dancer, Triple H Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was so fun. It was so fun. How's your summer, Rainy? Man, she was busy. Mm-hmm. She is... I feel like I haven't stopped since May. And it's a good thing. It's a blessing. Hashtag, Hashtag blessed. blessed. Booked and blessed. Hashtag booked and blessed. Hashtag humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that you can't. There's like, there's this weird thing where you can't feel like you could say you're tired because you feel like everyone's like, well, at least you're working. Right. And you're like, I am tired. You're allowed to be fucking tired. I'm allowed to be tired. Yeah. Also, when this episode comes out, it will be October 2nd. And I did some weird calendar math the other day. Mm-hmm. October 7th is our six-month anniversary. Ooh! <laughs> What's, what is the six-month anniversary gift? I don't know. Wine? Wine? <laughs> wine? Can it be wine? <laughs> Wait, one year's paper, right? Sure. Is it wood? No, it's paper. <laughs> no idea. We're going to do some research on this. We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, but it was good. It was just busy. I was teaching a lot out west, which was great. Mm-hmm. Slash in the prairies. It's always super nice to go back there and, like, connect with those kids. Mm-hmm. From, like, Saskatoon and Manitoba and all those places. Um, it really, like, gives you a lot of feelings and kind of, like, jump starts your... Like, if I, if I was feeling really, like kind of like tired and run down after tour and then I worked with those kids and it kind of maybe it's just because it's a different part of your brain working Mm -hmm. but you just feel like you totally like jump starts your drive you know that's so nice yeah so that was really good and then I just finished a show with um Nicole Fowle Chess Encounters who's our friend she Mm -hmm. and we hope you all went to it because it was really fun it was great it was her first time producing a show and it was beautiful she did such a good job yeah it was great to be a part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It and she's like, support people that are giving other artists opportunities, right? 
Right. Like, she didn't just self-produce a show for herself. She also... And, like, only her friends. Like, she self-produced a work for everybody. Like, yeah. lots of different... Types of choreographers and people. Yeah. She put the call out and she got five other choreographers to... She gave the opportunity to show work, which is... Everybody was looking for... I mean, people were looking for it. People are yeah. hungry to have a reason to create something. Yeah. And I think there needs to be... I hope that happens more. I hope people will self-produce more with different type groups of people. Yeah. I think that'd be really good for the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also makes for a, a night of, like, interesting dance. Like, I go... I went into it only knowing a few pieces and right. only and not knowing really anybody else's work there. And then I got to see a, sec- a little section of it, which is fun. Right. And yeah, I'm like, oh, cool. New also, things. it's like planting seeds. So, like... Totally. She produced a show that had... St- you know six pieces and out of those six pieces maybe one of those choreographers are going to continue that work Mm -hmm. and then that work will grow and then that work will produce something and it's just it's really interesting and And there's so many different dancers yeah yeah so many different dancers groups Mm -hmm. of dancers yeah so yeah so that was good good. job nicole good job nicole (laughs) and then you know i'm starting my master's so (laughs) grad school life is Uh. (laughs) is really an interesting place to be it's lovely and you like are immediately learning everything, but I do have like insane, like the first week, like I'm in class with the PhDs and the, um, some of the MAs and hearing them talk, I'm like, I don't even understand half the fucking words that are coming out of your mouth. How are you so smart? Oh yeah. Are you so articulate? Yeah. Um, so like imposter syndrome is a real thing, Yeah. but I think it's like, I already feel like I've been there for three weeks and I feel like I'm more articulate and I'm better spoken and I can, me as an artist has like grown so much and and I'm really starting to focus on like what I'm interested in, in terms of like my own research. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Grad school, man. Just constantly, just constantly working (laughs) towards something. The only thing that, or not the only thing, but I was like thinking about you and your master's program and I'm like, God, imagine all the reading she has to do. I do have so much. I have three <laughs> textbooks in my bag right now that I was reading on the train this morning. Three. One of them I've already read. So I'm just kind of more rereading it. The Choreographer's Handbook by Jonathan Burroughs. If you haven't read it, would highly suggest for all creators and shakers and movers. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of reading. But it's good. You know, it's really good to educate yourself in your field in your field because it's only going to help you classify and specify your work Mm -hmm. if you know what you're influenced off of and if you know what you're inspired off of and if you know where this thing is coming from it really it really helps you talk about your work and it helps you focus in on your work so like we're reading this one book where it's all just essays from different visual artists and artists contemporary artists and it's super interesting. They're just like describing different works and why mm. it worked and why it didn't work. And oh, interesting! It's really beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of artists, the new museum is open. That's what happened this fall, summer. What? What museum? The museum that's like right over here in the West End. What's it called? The Museum of Modern Art or something along those lines. MoMA. <laughs> it's not MoMA. Is it MoMA? It's MoMA's not... open. MoMA. Now I feel shitty for not knowing. <laughs> Where's my phone? Um, it's okay. I'm also sick today. Sorry, guys, if you hear me. If I sound different. Uh, oh. I will figure it out later. Okay. 
but a new museum opened up in Toronto, uh, Modern Art or something like that, like on Sterling Road, literally like right here. Yeah. We should go to it. Um, is there anything you want to say about why we were in Manitoba or what happened yeah. in Manitoba? We went to Manitoba mm-hmm. to film and it was lovely. It was a dream. Oh my gosh. I was so impressed. Yeah. I was going to say, I was worried about working with kids and especially so many of them. Yeah. But we showed up and they knew all the choreography. They were like ready to roll. We didn't have a single issue on set. Everybody listened. Everybody was where they had to be. Everybody was all of our dancers were on time, mm-hmm. 5 a.m., ready to roll, body suits on, hair and makeup, done. Like, 22 of them mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, outside of Nipawa, Manitoba. They were ready to roll at yeah. 5 in the morning. Yeah, full of energy. Full. <laughs> They're yeah. great. I yeah. love those kids. They were so amazing. Yeah. I was really impressed. And they were just, like, a dream to work with. Yeah. I didn't, well, I didn't feel like I had to, like, be a meanie. <laughs> No, not Yeah, at I didn't all. have to yell at anybody. I didn't have to tell people to be quiet. I didn't have to. No, they were yeah. great. They're yeah. super cute. All those kids work really hard. Mm-hmm. Very blessed to have them mm-hmm. <laughs> or to know them. Um, I thought it was great. I thought it was really fun. And, you know, I thought it's an excellent, excellent experience for those kids. Yeah. And if you didn't catch our blog, we actually wrote a short blog about it on Local Laundry's website. So mm-hmm. go there and check it out. Yeah. Great. Should we introduce our next guest? Yeah. Our first guest, season two opener. Yes. Oh, she's so good. I love her. Yeah. We had such a lovely conversation. Uh, Nora is a photographer and videographer. She shoots exclusively on film. Yeah. Which is, she showed us some stuff she's working on. It is extremely beautiful. Stunning. Yeah. Clear. She's has very interesting things to say about sometimes being the only woman in a department of men on set and the power of working with other women and collaborating with other women and supporting female voices and yeah. She's a really interesting person to talk to. Yeah. I, yeah, I really enjoyed talking to her. Mm -hmm. Let's get going. Yeah. My name is Nora Navarro. I'm a film photographer from Barcelona based in Toronto. Um, I have been out of university for a year and a half, so I'm, you know, starting my career very fresh and exploring what I want to be photographing and what I want to be involving my projects with. Um, and yeah, I shoot different kinds of of things, editorials, um, I do street photography, and I also work in the, in the film industry as a camera assistant for now with the potential goal of being a director of photography. Cool. Great. Yeah. I have a question, Nora. When, how did you go from like living in Istanbul and all over to going to York University? Um, well, I, so my dad, um, for work, gets sent um, to different places sometimes. And so when I was nine, he, he got moved to Istanbul and that's how I, I spent five years there mm-hmm. and then we moved back to Barcelona and then he got offered to come to Canada and that's how I came and I was 18 at the time oh. so I had finished high school and then I I wanted I knew I wanted to go into film and I had already researched the film school that I wanted to go to when I was when I was uh, in Barcelona and then it was a bit of a change of plans where I had to investigate the film industry in Toronto to see where it made more sense to start a career and then mm-hmm. it made more sense to start it in, in, in Toronto because that it's it's 
I wouldn't get the opportunity to come here right. otherwise. What was the program that you wanted to go to that you did research? Um, it was it was a film school. It's it's one of the best film schools in in Spain, and um, a lot of Spanish filmmakers go to that school. So a lot of the films that I was seeing mm-hmm. were people who had graduated from that school, and and it's it's very prestigious, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's really recognized, and so I had done my in in Spain. We have to do a two year um, thesis project in mm-hmm. your last two years of, of high school on mm-hmm. anything. And oh, wow. I made it on, on Catalan cinema. And so I was, I had done it so that I, um, had, I had enough research of the industry that I was getting into. Like I prepared myself. I went to interview people who worked at the school. Um, wow. and then, and then my dad was like, well, we're moving to Canada. You can come or you can stay. Like he gave, we, it was a conversation mm-hmm. and then, it made more sense to come to Canada. Mm-hmm. Did, it made more sense because there's more like film opportunities here. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Like it's more funding, more things happening, more. Yeah, absolutely. Canada, I think, is a is a is a country that really recognizes and supports the arts. Obviously, it's not a perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not a perfect approach, and the arts always suffer. If there's one thing that needs to go right. in yeah. funding, arts always go. But I mm-hmm. think they really prioritize and there's so many grants that you can apply to and um, there's just a lot more recognition. Whereas I feel like in Europe, um, although people in North America might think that Europe is way more into the arts, the governments and the countries don't really support it. It's really, there's way more struggling artists there. There's no... But in terms of viewership, do you think, like, the communities are more supportive? So it's it's less supportive through the government, but it's more supportive through the people that live there? Um, or do more people take in art or take in... There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people who are in the arts, and there's a big community of the arts, mm-hmm. for sure, in all aspects, like in dancing and, in, like, in... Um, visual arts in filmmaking but I feel like there's a lot of people but then there's not enough projects that are funded for people to work so making it a career is really difficult okay so there's a lot of people making art there's a lot of like maybe in quotes like more amateur mm-hmm. work happening versus like professional work and paid yes. work yeah mm. and so that's why a lot of people see North America's opportunity because they see projects being happening and, and more financing, whether it's from the government or it's it's privately funded, there's just more ways to get projects rolling. Mm. Um, because when you when you see when you see a, a Spanish movie or a French movie or a film from Belgium, one of the things that you'll always see at the beginning is like an extended uh, credits of in collaboration with in partnership with all these different countries and so it's like a lot of different places need to get together to make with this one project you know mm. it's 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 hard to fund one project with one country it feels like it needs to be like okay we're making a spanish film but we need to get friends involved and we let's get this let's get that and so it's it's a larger scale Mm. But it doesn't mean that the budget is in- insane. It just means, like, to get a limited budget, you need a lot of contribution. Right. You need to get a lot of people involved. Yeah. Which is another difficult... It is. ...thing it to is. think about. It is. Yeah. And I think that's why, yeah, that's why people come come to North America and... But 
but yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's an interesting time. Also, like the economic crisis obviously played a huge role in in the arts, and 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 in um, in Spain at least you have twenty one percent HSD on the arts. So any movie ticket, any any um, I don't know about museums because some of them are public, but anything that's private is like the taxes are incredible. So. 21% that's on, crazy. on all the arts. and But there's no funding for it. And there's no funding for it. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and then also because... Is there, is there more private funding? I wouldn't know because also when I, I obviously researched all of this when I was like 16 and 18 yeah. and that things have changed and, and I started my career here. So I've kind of forgotten how, how it works there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it's not a... It's a, it's a tricky situation. And also with globalization, um, at least like speaking from where I come from, people don't watch Spanish art. People don't support, like mm-hmm. in terms of filmmaking at least, um, people want to see American movies. They want right. to see, you know, their fam- the, like the famous um, right. Right. stars on, on screen. And so that's also what they struggle with in terms of funding is like who's going to watch this? How many people... So the film gets made, great, but then how many people go to the movies to actually see it? Mm-hmm. Right. And so in the last couple of years, there's been, there's been films that have um, made it. So sometimes it's been a Spanish production with uh, international cast that has been mm-hmm. positive, but all the crew was Spanish and right. the story. But um, it's about finding what people want to see as well or starting to make films that are... Um, more contemporary because for a really long time we were making historical films and so who's going to watch historical films about the (laughs) civil war (laughs) for like 25 years people get tired of that people want to see like a romantic comedy or something that is approachable and And something that they can feel like personally engaged with yes right Right. and so I feel like when they started making films like these people started going more to the to the movies and I think it's starting to to go up do you have like an early memory of going to films that inspired you to be a filmmaker at all? Um, Especially like being so young, living in all these different countries. Yeah. Was there different? Was your like movie going experience quite different compared to when you've talked to other people? Um, I'm lucky because both my parents are huge movie buffs, mm. and so when we were in, in Istanbul, my mom doesn't speak English, so we couldn't really go to the movies as a family because she wouldn't enjoy it. Um, she wouldn't understand anything. So we, w- we would watch, uh, we started doing uh, Friday movie night every week. We're all, my brother and I, we were like nine years old, so we're still kids. And so every Friday we would do a movie night, and so my parents would just show us like different classics. Or mm-hmm. we went, we watched all the Rocky movies, but then we would see like Benner, and then, you know, <laughs> and then we like saw all of Audrey Hepburn's movies. So classics that young kids don't really see unless your parents right. like uh-huh. that. It's just like people who grow up with really old music because that's all that, that plays in their house. Yeah. I feel like... Someone has to introduce you to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. someone yeah. has to introduce you. And so that was my, my introduction. And then... But I don't, I don't remember a particular film. Yeah, it's, it, what's it really interesting to me is like the people that want to become... See those movies and want to become filmmakers, like behind the scenes right away. That's their... That's what they want to do. It's not like they want to be the actresses or the people mm-hmm. that are the main focus. It's kids that watch it and are like, I want to be the behind the scenes creator <laughs> yeah. of right. this. Is... I want to make that. Yeah. 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 
For me, I think it it took um, longer than that to realize that it was a potential career. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in, in high school, um, around grade nine or 10, uh, around this, this time of the year, Halloween season, mm-hmm. uh, my year had to do a horror short film for the school and everybody in the year had to be involved somehow. And so because my <laughs> professor knew that I had a camera and that I liked, I've always taken photos, so everybody knew that I always had a camera. Yeah. He was like, well, Nora, you're going to, how about we write it as a class, but you're going to direct it, shoot it, edit it, do sound, do everything, and everybody else <laughs> is going to be an actor. You're going to do everything. And I was like, cool. Like, mm-hmm. great. Because um, I hate acting. <laughs> I'm not a good actor. <laughs> so I was like, wonderful. I don't have to be in front of the screen. That's great. That's and so, so it was a big learning lesson um, mm-hmm. in terms of, because I never made a like a film before with like scenes. And, right. and I watch it now, and it's, I just cringe. But, <laughs> but it was a great experience. And then after that, people like watching they're like that's so cool like you're so good at this I was like am I I don't know I don't know I don't think this is good but this is this was so much fun and then that's when I started discovering that you could go to school for this and Mm -hmm. people made films for a living and I was like wow that's amazing Mm -hmm. that that would be such a beautiful career to have yeah in terms of storytelling right Mm -hmm. stylistically speaking do you have a filmmaker that you're inspired by um, there's a lot of filmmakers, um, cause I have, I have filmmakers that I admire their aesthetics mm-hmm. and then there's filmmakers that I admire for the career that they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, but stylistically, um, I love, I love Noah Baumbach. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pronouncing it wrong. Baumbach. I don't know. He directed Francis Ha. Mm-hmm. And so all of his films have beautiful, very realistic dialogue, a lot of passing moments. Sometimes the plot is not the most important part. The, the, the character development is the, is the most interesting part of the whole film. And it's just life evolving. And that to me is really beautiful in terms of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously I, I admire um, cinematographers um, like Chiva who, who shot uh, The Revenant and and all these like incredibly beautiful mm-hmm. um, scenes that are just like breathtaking. Right. Um, and his style, like for The Revenant, he didn't light anything. Everything that he used was was natural light, and that's such a big challenge Crazy. because time yeah, consuming. time consuming. <laughs> it's so time consuming because yeah. you imagine like also like if you don't have the light the day, you don't have the light that day and you have to come back. Oh yeah. You lose the day. Yeah. yeah. And what I read also doing some research was that, um, he, there was, there was times where they would schedule a very specific time. We're going to shoot this in 30 minutes between this hour and this hour, this, cause this is the perfect lighting. And then yeah. that day would arrive and the lighting wasn't there and they wouldn't shoot. At they all. also shot in Alberta. All. Yeah. They shot actually. Yeah. Super unpredictable super weather. Unpredictable, yeah. yeah. Apparently, Especially in the winter, you're like, <laughs> yeah. Um, from the research that I've done, apparently, no one had a good time shooting the Revenant. It really? was, it was, yeah. Everybody says it was one of the toughest shoots because, yeah, you're shooting in Alberta in the middle of the winter. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, with with two incredibly like um, professional and meticulous artists. Yeah, that will not let you know. They won't be like, oh. 
this is this is good enough. Yeah, right. it's there's they're, like, they're it's never gonna shoot when it's yeah. exactly yeah. Um, and then obviously um, in terms of uh, people that I admire, I really admire Reed Morano, hmm. who is um, she's a cinematographer. She worked as she's worked as a cinematographer for more than twenty years, I believe. Um, and she's super young. She's in her early forties, and now she recently started directing, and she directed the three first episodes of Handmaid's Tale. Oh, great. So she kind of set the tone for the whole show. Yeah. And um, and you see she has two kids. She's a mother. She It's the kind of um, reference where you see a woman who's done it all and hasn't sacrificed anything in her career. And she right. traveled with her kids. And she, she was pregnant. Um, there's photos on the Internet where she's, like, pregnant with like eight months old with this huge camera on top of her <laughs> and you're like wow and she's done that twice during both her pregnancies uh-huh. she was shooting she's also a cancer survivor it's unbelievable wow. what mm. she does so yeah i have some uh-huh. some of these are my are my references right yeah moving into like your interest with like femininity and womanhood what why is that like your focus? I saw that you put that in your paragraph that you sent us, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, as me and Corinne are obviously super interested in that as well, that subject. Yeah. Um, what was it that brought that to your attention and made you want to pursue that as your focus? I think, um, I think when I started making more personal projects or I started um, deciding what I wanted my focus to be, I kind of had to look within and and realize what I was struggling with. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was lucky that like this um, this movement of uh, content that is really focused on womanhood and femininity and mm-hmm. just like the female experience really has boomed as my career like not has taken off because it has not taken off, but it started <laughs> taking more shape. Right. Right. So. Yes. For it was also I was really inspired as well with what was going on around me, and so um, it was it was a bit of a like I wanna I wanna get involved in this I wanna tell like my side of or my experience or exp- or keep exploring it because I feel the more voices we have telling these experiences, mm-hmm. the more varied mm-hmm. the stories will be, and it'll be a fair mm-hmm. um, right. uh, explanation. Of, yeah. yeah. Of, of of what it's it's like so and being in the film industry did you have any hands-on or first-hand experience with everything that was happening in terms of the me too movement yeah. in terms of everything yeah um not not really um in terms of have i had experiences where i've i mean thankfully i haven't had any yeah. any experiences i've had really um great experiences working in the industry the people that i work with i really trust mm-hmm. i think it's also um because everything has been happening in the last couple of years this conversation has happened i think that's also shaped the way that i make decisions mm-hmm. so if i ever um am approached by someone who wants to uh get involved like get me involved in a project and i don't have a good vibe with that person or i just Right. We're not on the same page in terms of values. I just don't do the job. Right. Like I'm very protective of myself. Right. And so, and if I have a bad experience, bad experience, quote, quote unquote, or a not so enjoyable experience with someone because they make kind of weird comments, then I won't work with them again. Right. But that I think has been possible because of the conversation that's been happening. Right. And like, it's, it's, 
it's that change of mindset, whereas maybe like five years ago, I wouldn't know how to make these type of decisions. And also the confidence to, to say no. To yes. say no. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I, wor- I talk about it a lot. The, the film industry is still very much male-based. Yes, and so right. I work with mostly guys, especially in the camera department, mm-hmm. although um, there's a lot more uh, women in the camera department. And it's amazing. Like when I get to work with some with a woman on the camera, I'm just like yes, um, because I normally always work with men. And like I said, I always have incredible experiences with the people that I work with because they're genuinely great people mm-hmm. that are so supportive. Um, but all the crew is male, and so sometimes you have to. Sometimes people flirt with you on set, mm-hmm. and it's it's that weird place of, I'm at work. Yeah, you should like you know what I mean. Like we should this shouldn't be happening and. Um, but it, again, it hasn't, anything hasn't been major enough for me to be, feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I've been really lucky in that sense that everybody that's, that's surrounded me has been very encouraging and very much aware of the movement yeah. going on and respectful of it as well. When you have like a quote unquote bad experience with someone where you don't get a good vibe or they make you uncomfortable to a point where you never want to work with them again? Mm-hmm. Do you, are you vocal about that tor- to them or to other colleagues in the industry? That's, that's a really good point because I feel like I'm, I'm getting better at that, mm-hmm. but I still feel very awkward about yeah. it. It's, it's, I feel, it's, it's that, did I feel uncomfortable enough to say something? Right. Or that person's joking. You kind of just like justify behaviors. Right. And then you don't really know if it's like a malicious thing or, you know, or mm-hmm. that just person just, that just makes weird jokes or right. weird comments. And um, sometimes I have said it to, to colleagues of like, oh, I, I don't like working with this person. Or yeah. This person just like makes a bit of creepy comments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like I said, I haven't had a, a specific approach but but I I am getting I'm getting I'm trying to gather the courage more to be like no this is this is not okay or you're making me uncomfortable it's so hard um yeah because obviously I experience these things outside the industry my personal life yeah and um (laughs) walking down the street (laughs) yeah and recently I just had like an experience where I this this guy was make we were all hanging out with with friends and I didn't know this person and this guy was making me very uncomfortable and it was like he was this person that stares a lot and and I spent the whole time the two days that we were all hanging out together debating whether I should say something or not and Mm -hmm. I ended up not doing it and then at the end I was like I should have said something Mm -hmm. but you feel like you don't have the right to be like you are making me uncomfortable right and you feel like you're being like you're being a bitch. Dramatic or you're yeah. being right. like this. You're, yeah. you're causing a scene. You're, yeah, and so like that. maybe that person just stares a lot, but at the same time, I also don't want to justify weird behavior. Yeah. So I'm, I, I've had this, I actually had this conversation with, with a friend yesterday where I was like, I, don't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether to stand up for myself or just make yourself small and like leave the room. Yeah. Or, like, make, yeah. make space for this person who's not making space for you. Yeah. yeah. And then just yeah. avoid, avoid contact, avoid conversation, yeah. avoid. So I was protecting myself. Yeah. And I did mention it to someone, to someone that I, that I trust, but I, I realized that I didn't know how to handle the situation. 
yeah. as I would like to. So it's definitely a, a learning lesson mm-hmm. moving forward. Whereas if someone, because I think there's, there's, there's a lot of ways to communicate something mm-hmm. like that to someone and you can still be very respectful and be like, I don't, you know, I don't know if you notice, but you do stare a lot and it's not making very, me very comfortable. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like, oh. Yeah, you don't no. embarrass them. You don't, like, yeah, so right. it's always like coming through respect and having a, you yeah. know, normal conversation. Yeah. But I've been lucky that at work, I haven't experienced anything, uh-huh. anything like that. But yeah. But I always feel so much more comfortable when I'm working with women. Yeah, That's working good. with working yeah. with women is always is such an incredible experience. It's so different. It's so <laughs> different, and it's it just it creates a really comfortable environment to be vulnerable. Because sometimes at work, I won't know how to do something, and I don't want people to think. Let me rephrase that. For a really long time, I was taking a lot of responsibility unnecessarily with jobs. So I would. Um, I would take on a job um, or be asked to be on a job. And then if I didn't know how to do it, I would immediately just say no because I wouldn't want the person to think that if it was a bad experience to think, oh, women and like, this is why we can't hire female photographers. And it's so (laughs) irrational to think that way. It's so irrational. But I would, I was like, wow, what if I fail? And then they don't trust another woman to do that again. Yeah. And so in the last couple of years, I've obviously relaxed because right. that was too much. You're shouldering a lot. You're shouldering, shouldering a lot. Yeah, a lot burden right a, there. A lot of burden. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was real. Um, and I was making, and yeah, but, and so when I work with, with women, there's feel so much more comfortable being like, Oh, I don't know how to do that. I've never done that before. And I still do that when, when I work with men, but with women, there's just like a mutual understanding of we're all learning. We're all growing. We're all, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. There's, I feel like there's way more collaboration and understanding and just, just a natural bond mm-hmm. of we're working together. It's so funny too. What are you, like, is you that your experience? Like a dude that was like, oh yeah, I don't know how to do that. It would be like, oh, this idiot. It's not like, oh, this male <laughs> yeah. is clearly a man and can't yeah. do it. It's just like, he's an idiot. Yeah. Not like it's because of his penis. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking gender man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking man. Yeah. And also because my job is really physical. Yeah. So so that is obviously limiting and I don't want to be considered weak or... Right. Um, You're like trying to overcompensate by being so prepared and so skilled and yeah. so good that like yeah. if you can't lift a 70 pound camera, yeah. that's like your only downfall. Yeah. yeah. Right? So it's 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 balancing those those things I mm-hmm. think that that I'm that I'm getting better at um I enjoy working with women typically more than I mm-hmm. do with men <laughs> it's just like it's easier I don't it know is. I don't know if it's like a language thing or an under like um a language thing in the sense that like if I don't know the proper terminology or don't know the proper language we have a easier time understanding each other because it's more collaborative yes right. because as you said you can be more vulnerable you can be like a little bit more relaxed, right? Yes, yeah. You don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. And there's that understanding already. Mm-hmm. Do you um do you feel sometimes um when there's not a lot of women around you that if you don't know how to do something there's a bit of judgment towards towards you? If there's mm-hmm. not a lot of women around? Or or in or in any situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Cuz sometimes I I feel 
I feel judged. If you don't know how to do something. If I depend, obviously it depends on the person. Because right. if it's, if the person who's teaching you is super chill, they'll be like, oh, just do this. Yeah. But, um. If there's like a scoff or yeah. a laugh beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Or like, oh, you don't, okay, sure, this is. Like right. Kind of like subtle, yeah, subtle yeah, yeah. judgment, <laughs> micro judgments, <laughs> micro judgments. But it, they make you really self-aware in terms, like in a, in a negative way. If, especially mm. if it happens at work, because then, um, if you have these kinds of experience on a regular basis, then you're not confident with the decisions that you're making. Right. And obviously, this doesn't apply that it's only male, because like I, everybody, everybody judges, and so. Right. Um, but if you feel kind of judged in decision making obviously and and in the arts it's a thing like there's no right way to do to things do yeah. like obviously there's a structure yeah but um but there's no it's it's not medicine you're not operating on someone and there's no like one two three four five steps that you need to follow yeah yeah um I don't think I've ever felt judged but I've noticed when I've worked with and this is quite recent because usually it's just Rainy and I. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I would say within the last, like, year and a half where if I make a call on set, sometimes it's double-guessed. Sometimes I have to say it more than once, mm-hmm. which is, like, interesting because I'm, like, I'm the boss here if I'm the director. Yeah. Or, like, they will just start doing something even though that's not... They're, like, oh, we should do this thing. And then I'll be, like but I don't want that. Yeah. But we should just like get it just in case. Yeah. But I'm not going to use that shot, so let's not waste our time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, and I've like noticed that. Where maybe mm-hmm. like I'm second guess, which also might be because I'm like young, but which is also like annoying, mm-hmm. you know, because I know very specifically what I want. Like I can picture exactly what I want in my head. Right. Also, like we have very lengthy discussions about what exactly we're going for before, yes. and, and we it's have a very our product that we've produced and created. Yeah. So for people to second guess the nature of a product mm-hmm. that they haven't thought mm-hmm. through yes. even remotely yes. as much as we have is yeah. like mm-hmm. very disconcerting. Yeah. <laughs> and especially because our like our films and our everything we've done so far has a very specific aesthetic, mm-hmm. and especially with where our stuff isn't narrative, it's more of like, I hate to use the word emotional, but there's like themes and emotions that come up and that's how things are done versus like, we're telling a story, mm-hmm. yeah. like A to B. So mm-hmm. that is more important than like getting the whole shot from A to B. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need that, I'm not gonna use it. I'm not gonna use a three minute long shot. Yeah. I'm gonna use this tiny slice of it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And what's really important is like, what's happening within the frame. Yes, right. Right. absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the nature of collaboration, that mm-hmm. um, you have to pick the right people mm-hmm. who will really understand what you're trying to do and respect it enough to know that they can make a suggestion, but it's right. not their project, it's yeah. not their vision, they're just trying to help you. And so that's why, you know, when you work with on, on projects like this, where it's a collaboration between a lot of different people, um, you have to... From project to project, some people vary, and like you don't work with another per- with that person again because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know they they didn't really listen when you were on set and they were making their little calls. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it's like no energy that is not necessary on set. Set it it distracts from the whole purpose, and yeah. it's you know find someone else that that will resonate with what's going on and mm-hmm. will understand it from the beginning. 
Yeah. That's why it's so important to connect, I, th I think, on a human level with people that you're collaborating in the arts. Because skill can be learned. Right. But in terms of um, respecting and understanding and, and just like the collaborating nature, you have to be on the same page always, always, always. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can always learn something in post. You can, you can always, always learn like, it. get something else done. You can always yeah. rent equipment. You can always figure it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. But if you have someone that is not um, moving the project forward in, in the direction that you're aiming it towards, mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah. I don't see that relationship being fruitful. I yeah, wonder too if it's it's like generational in the sense that like a lot of up and coming like artists will be are more open and more personable to taking each other's ideas than if you get stuck with someone that's more like a dinosaur. Yeah. I think that it, the people that are coming up in this are being taught that everyone's idea is valid because we've seen so much there's so much stuff out there that's weird or narrative or exactly right on point or spoon fed that it's just kind of whoever is directing you and what their vibe is. You need to go with that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I wonder if mm -hmm. in a few years, if it's going to be, it's going to be more open and people are going to be better about working with others in mm -hmm. the industry. But I, yeah. I also think that the going on the generational thing that kids coming up in the arts now and wanting to make it careers we've had to learn multiple skills, mm -hmm. right? It's like you can direct, you can edit, you can do sound, you can record, you can do everything because that's your only option. Right. So instead of like, I'm going to go to school and do one thing mm -hmm. for the rest of my life mm -hmm. versus arts or anything, mm -hmm. right? Like nobody's picking one career path anymore for the rest of their lives. No. It's like our parents, right? Yeah. You know, nobody's, nobody does that anymore. Everybody's mm -hmm. much more fluid in how they like move through the world. Right. So maybe that's also part of the generational thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This like fluidity of, meh, doesn't work. Yeah. Do something else. Which then I kind of like the, the behavior of everybody thinking they can make suggestions also comes, that's, it comes with it right. because everybody, yeah. everybody <laughs> edits, everybody shoots, everybody. So everybody yeah. feels like they have an opinion, an opinion that they can share because they have previous experience. And mm -hmm. I think that's the, but I agree. I agree that um, when you work with, with younger people, um, at least when I work with, with the cinematographers um, that hire me to assist them, um, sometimes they'll turn to me and be like, what do you think? How do you think I should go about this? Or I don't really know how to do that. And, I've, and, I, and I get to work with friends often, so we have that also. We're, we, we collaborate, but also we're friends on top of that, so there's more trust. And, and sometimes they've, yeah. they've listened to my lighting um, idea and they've gone with it. You know, whereas maybe someone older would not even think about turning to an assistant. They wouldn't even ask. They wouldn't even ask. Yeah. And it's and it's also more, it's, it's way more strict. And like you're an assistant, you assist, you slate, you do this, you do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's just so fluid. You also need to know your space yeah. Yeah. on set because again, you you're work just... with people that are super collaborative and like the director asks you know, the PA, mm -hmm. what they think of the shot. And yeah. then there's people who know ex specifically what they want and they only talk with the people that have been in pre-production. Right. 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 I think it's... Mm, it's the, the person that's in charge, if they're asking questions and they're asking you, you can answer them. Right. Mm -hmm. If not, I think you got to start with, like, can I make a suggestion? Yes. Depending right. on where you are, too. Yes. 
Yes, depending like what on what level you're at mm-hmm. with that person. But if no one's asking you, it's yeah. always safer <laughs> to stay. Yeah, to, to stay, stay quiet. quiet. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe bring it up at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. just be like, oh, I thought about this today. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah, we could yeah. consider this. Yeah, I noticed something. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because again, when you someone... also sometimes it's too late to get an opinion of someone else. Straight up, yeah. like you can't. You're not in the place that you're ready to change. You're ready to, or you can change at that moment. You know, yeah. maybe it's too late in the shot. It's too late in this for there to be a change that's made, and it's going to be not it'll effective. Just make, or it'll project. make like everything shot from that day useless because it doesn't match. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, even in creation process, like yes, you can't offer suggestions to dancers or actors the week before if you don't think they're going to be able to retain it and yeah. use it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I might have something to do with that as well. Mm-hmm. And and in dancing, obviously, I uh, I was a I was a uh, ballet dancer growing up. And um, how is it in terms of collaboration? Because obviously the dancers are creative, and they they uh, they learn a routine. But is there room? Is there often room for improvisation, suggestions with the choreographer? How does that dynamic work in the it really depends on style and yeah. what what area you're working in. If it's in terms of contemporary work, I think there's tons of room for collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yes. In terms of more traditional dance, such as ballet, not a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the tradition of ballet also doesn't really allow for it, yeah. right? There's very specific ways things are done yeah. and they're still done that way. And yes, there's like contemporary ballets being made and like beautiful works but I still think in those like processes the choreographer comes in with choreography ready Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or it's choreography that's been the same choreography that's been done for right like we're doing the (laughs) nutcracker it's the nutcracker yeah it's not not changing (laughs) right but like the majority of processes we've been in together Mm -hmm. and separate I would say are very collaborative Mm -hmm. um but I mean even in in terms of working with a partner in contemporary work, sometimes you work with someone who just is it is hard to work with when you're creating something, mm-hmm. like creating a duet or something together or something contacty. It's there's a really fine line with people that you can work with and not because if people aren't opening up to you, if yeah, vulnerability is huge. Offering yeah suggestions or aren't taking suggestions, it's challenging to work with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And sometimes that just has to do with age and maturity. Yeah. And sometimes it just has to do with like them maybe not respecting you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The respect is an interesting one because you were saying before that you didn't feel like people listen on the first, like the first time you say something, they don't yeah. really say it or pick it up. And I have, I have, um, I've had conversations with with other um, female directors who they walk on set and people think they're the art director or, or someone mm-hmm. yeah. in, you know, in another department. And it's like, no, actually every time yeah. I've directed, I've worn a hat, <laughs> sit on a big chair, yeah. <laughs> stand on my director. I'm actually going to get you a sash next time. <laughs> <laughs> Director, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why that's why you know um, I love being friendly on set, and I love 
mm. collaboration, but sometimes you just have to put your boss hat on and, mm-hmm. and like cut the bullshit out mm-hmm. yeah. so that people actually listen. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to make calls and you have to tell, sometimes you have to tell your friends or people that you have more of a relationship with, like, this is not how I want things to be done, blah, blah, blah. And you have to get strict. Yeah. Um, but I've also been on sets where women in high roles have made these calls with that authority. Right. And immediately it's like, oh, what a bitch. What oh, yeah. Doing oh. this person again. <laughs> and it pisses me <laughs> off <laughs> it pisses me off because no one no one would even remotely like mention anything about a director or cinematographer who was making very specific calls and had very specific ways of working and like yeah and was you know kind of rude to mm-hmm. the assistants and like no one would even consider but because we have to like as like women we have to be like oh hi <laughs> please mm-hmm. you know if you're the ad on a shoot it doesn't matter your gender. You're doing your job and it's a hard job because you have to tell people what to do. Yeah. But every time that I work with a female ID, someone on set always complains. And it's always a complaint that comes from, what a bitch. Maybe the comment is not what a bitch, but like, it's kind of like, mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, she's annoying. So annoying. And I'm like, no, she's doing her job. Right. Mm-hmm. And if she had a huge mustache, you wouldn't even like <laughs> be thinking about that person during your day. No. Yeah. And so it's also like, I don't know, it's, there's a lot of like different things that are like that, mm-hmm. but also I'm, I am aware that it's never been as good as it is now in terms of oh, yeah, women right. working yeah. in, in like, right. and, and, you know, as directors and cinematographers and, mm-hmm. but there's just still so much that still needs to change. Right. It really makes you respect like the women that did it you. Oh, yeah. Ago. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. When you finally enter it and you're like, this is what it's like for me after mm-hmm. whatever the progression is that has been happening. Yeah. But what the fuck happened when they were there? Right. 20 like, years how ago, many times do you ago. think they got called a bitch or yeah. a something yes. else? You know? <laughs> yeah. It would have been, you have to have like pretty strong, pretty strong shield to be able to mm-hmm. make it through yeah. these industries. Like and that. probably so much perseverance. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to, it doesn't matter to me how many people don't want to work with me because I'm a woman yeah. or are going to call me a bitch on set, even though I'm the fucking director. Yeah. I'm going to do it again. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm. Because ultimately it's your project and that's what you're going to live with. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have to stop thinking about what will people think of your behavior. You're the director. <laughs> you're getting the shot you want mm-hmm. Yeah. in the cut that makes sense to you and that's it and again if you hear about people making these comments around you it's about making the cold call of i'm not working with you again yeah right it's the last time we heard Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and i think what we're talking about before of like feeling uncomfortable and having these conversations and bringing it up i think moving forward i want to be able to know this about myself that if i have an encounter where i don't like working with someone or, or Um, I overhear someone making comments. Mm -hmm. I would, I think I would love to learn the skill of having a conversation between that person. Be like, Hey, I don't really enjoyed working with you because, Mm -hmm. um, you didn't listen to me. And so it's about communicating that because as women, we talk about it amongst us and we're all on the same page. But I feel like when it comes to actually having the real 
because it's it's one thing to talk about oh yes women in film whatever but then when you find yourself in that situation it's completely different you kind of forget everything that you mm. talk about with yeah. all the people mm. that you <laughs> share these these thoughts with but then when you're in the moment where you're like wow this person is not listening to me like how do i yeah. you assert like myself how do yeah. i you know, because it's... Or how do I pull that person aside mm-hmm. in a respectful way and have a very straightforward conversation that they're not going to get defensive about? Yes. Right? How do I, I not get defensive? How do they not get defensive? How do I just be like, hey, like, I need you to listen to me because this is the shot I... This is what I want mm-hmm. and it's not happening. Yeah. I also think it's almost nearly impossible for someone not to get defensive in that conversation because they're not going to think they did anything wrong often. Yeah. Right? Yep. I mean, More maybe times like 1%... Than- is if they might say, okay, yeah, you're right, I'm sorry. Right. But I think there's always going to be, yeah. well, it's fine, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or in the moment they'll be like, yep, sure, whatever, and then they, like, resent you later. Because <laughs> yeah. they're like, that person pulled yeah. me aside and made me made me feel small. Well, you made me feel small when you said that about me. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's ongoing and it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's very true. Well, how did you make the transition into only shooting with film? And um, why? So, like I said, I've always had a, a camera on me mm-hmm. since the age of nine. And it's always been digital because my dad is also, um, his, one of his biggest hobbies is photography. So mm-hmm. I always use his camera. And, um, and I remember when I was 13, 14, 15, um, I started seeing, um, I, started, I discovered what lomography was. And lomography is this kind of um, very experimental kind of photography where the cameras are used. The cameras that are used are plastic, actual okay. plastic, and they have very funky flashes. And they and they there's when you take a photo, you never know how it's gonna t- how it's gonna turn out. <laughs> it like uses light leaks, and it's it's used in film. And so um, my first boyfriend as a birthday gift got me one of <laughs> one of these cameras, <laughs> and I started shooting for fun. But then. I loved the, f- I, I got so hooked at the idea of not seeing the, fil- like the photo immediately and having right. to wait and like, and just understanding the chemistry of it. Mm-hmm. So when I start, and it, but, but again, it was really out there in terms of colors and light leaks and it wasn't mm-hmm. real photography, quote unquote. And so my interest was like, okay, I love this medium, but I kind of want to do it in a, very, in, a, in a more professional way. And so that's when I, I bought my first film camera um again also with the idea to really understand photography and exposure from the beginning Mm. because it's really easy to shoot on on auto or even on manual when you just keep adjusting settings and you keep like testing and then you're like oh yeah that worked but like did you think about why that worked that's what I wanted to learn Mm. I really wanted to understand light understand exposure, aperture, shutter, how it all worked together, and then on top of that, make art. So, and then the chemistry is just so magical. Like, it's literally light reacting with chemistry. You can't, it's so romantic, (laughs) right? And so, but then, so I've been shooting film for five years exclusively, and then, and I've just fallen in love with, with the medium. And then at this point also, it's, I keep shooting film because it's, when you shoot film, you don't have illimited shots. So you have to be very mindful of what you're shooting. So I feel that when I shoot, I am more patient. Right. I'm choosing better moments 
or I'm making more intelligent calls for the things that I'm trying to do. Right. I'm not rushing into things. You're not just taking um, 500 photos and picking five. Yeah. 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 And I'll, or for example, if I'm taking someone's portrait, um, I might take 10 photos of them. Mm-hmm. Right. But then there'll be like the 10 photos that I know that they're exactly what I want. Like I only shoot when I, the shot is there. Mm. And so that's also like the discipline that comes with it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm going to shoot film forever because when you work in, um, as a photographer, you also have to be very flexible and you have to make, you have to choose the equipment that's right for the job as yeah. well. So I know that I will sh- start shooting digital mm-hmm. soon. But for now, I like, I obviously like the aesthetic of a film and the look that it gives, but then it also comes with the discipline and the understanding and the light. And I feel it's just a medium that I, that I absolutely love. Right. And even if in my professional career, I stop shooting film, I know that as a hobby, it'll always, it'll always be that because there's genuinely no better feeling when that, when you get your photos back, it's just like, (laughs) because you, there's sometimes where I get them developed the same day. So I know exactly what I shot and then I get the photos. But then sometimes when you shoot black and white, you have to wait a week. And so it's like, okay, it's that week. And you're like, okay, I hope they turned out. And especially if it's for an an important project, Mm -hmm. you know, you can show client what you're shooting. You're like, you're going to have to wait a week. And they're like, okay. And in 2018, everybody's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I have to wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 really, I really love love the medium. It's expensive. It's really expensive. But then again, the camera, when you buy it, because it's secondhand, it's not that pricey. Mm-hmm. So it ends up compensating because if you have to get a $3,000 digital camera. And that's only the body. It's only yeah. the body. And then you have the lens and the, all the accessories. Yeah. I feel film photography, all these things are all this craft is expensive because you have to always buy gear. You have to always buy film or you have to process or you have to, you have to invest a lot in your art. That's what I've learned as well is Mm -hmm. that, um, for example, I've shot Phil, I've shot a project last year, um, for, with these two directors that I, that I used to work with and they were shooting a commercial for a lingerie company and they wanted to make a really funky, fun dance film with it. They didn't mm-hmm. want to make it like a sexy mm-hmm. lingerie commercial. They wanted to like be really like, have these women dance around Toronto in their underwear um, with a super diverse cast, just like let super letting loose. And then I approached it as this would be really cool if we shot it on, on film. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have the budget to do that. Mm. So um, they were going to pay me. And then I was like, how about we put my rate towards the film processing, because that's genuinely what I want to shoot. Right. You would much rather shoot on film? Yeah. I'd much rather, like, um, get what I want and what the director... Obviously, they jumped on board immediately as when I said it, and then the logistics came (laughs) after. (laughs) So figuring that out was important, but then we just realized, like, it would make a lot of sense for what we're trying to do, and so... And I've heard a lot about, this happens in a lot, and I'm sure for you as well, when you're making art, at the beginning, especially of your career, you have to invest a lot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's your time, that's sometimes is your money. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously when I shoot film, I pay for all the film. And if I'm getting paid for what I'm shooting, sometimes there's no budget for shooting film, mm-hmm. so I have to pay it. But for me, it's worth it because it's exactly what I want to be showcasing as my work. Yeah, it's part of 
your aesthetic and who you yeah, are. And, right now, at least. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm sure, I don't know what what it's like for you if, if obviously, like, self-funding projects is a big way of how you get projects off the ground. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes it's just, like, sacrificing a rate or I mean, or not. we pay everybody but ourselves. That's... Or, I mean, we try to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We pay them in other ways, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the people that have shot our stuff, we've paid. Yeah. Like, DOPs and videographers and stuff like that. I don't want to say, like, we pay the people we have to, because that sounds like... One job is more important than the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, but we also like to work with professionals, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like, if we want our film to look good and we want it to be in 4K and we want it to be beautifully shot, like, that's not where you tighten your budget up. No. It's just right? having to yeah, yeah. figure out what what's important. What's the priority when it comes to the project. And if yeah. it's a film project, it's your what DLP. people see is probably a priority. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Yeah. It's also... Um, I think I'm also learning this because, I, um, especially with photography, um, because it is my first love. I love cinematography. I love films. Mm-hmm. But I think I will always, 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 always love photography more. Mm. So starting a career in that and making it more of a business, sometimes it's like, oh, you don't even need, I want to do this so bad that you don't even need to like pay me. And it's like, no, no, I'm, I've done this enough. Right. That I know what, I, what I'm doing and I know my worth and my work. Right. And yeah. making and that transition over to like, I'm not working for free anymore to yeah. pay me is yeah. it's real hard. It's yes. a challenge. Yeah. And I think there's an interesting transition there where, yeah, it's, it's not really clear on what should be done. Mm-hmm. If you just stop taking work that you don't get paid for. Or, yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. a hard line to, to follow. Mm-hmm. And then also figuring out like, you know, you don't want to get known for not getting paid. And oh, then, no, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Because you only get approached by People. projects like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, now, at least in, in the industry, I the only volunteer jobs that I take are either passion projects for friends, mm-hmm. because you are supporting your friends and you're building a relationship, and mm-hmm. um, most likely because it's such a supportive community, if you help someone out, most likely, if you need their help at some point, they'll help you out. Yeah. Right? So it's also like, it's like we have each other's backs. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and then other projects that genuinely don't have budget, but it's a really incredible project that I feel, that I really believe in the story. And then I'm just like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. There's a, one of the guys that I work with, um, Mateo, he's got a way in his, he has like an equation for figuring out if he's going to do the work. Really? And it's like three things. It's like... If you believe in the subject of the project and you respect like the subject of it, how much they're willing to pay you, and then the people you work with, mm-hmm. and you have to have two. You have to have two out of the three. Oh, you have to have two. Unless it's unless one of them is expanded so much, right? Yeah. You know, like if they're gonna pay you a buttload of money, <laughs> and it has to be like a buttload, <laughs> then will yes. take one, right? Right. But yeah, yeah. if it's like his people that he really likes to work with. And he really believes in it, then maybe he'll sacrifice. He'll sacrifice. One of them has to be sacrificed over the other. Yeah, because often you won't get projects that are all three. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. It's a, yeah, an equation that you can that I've started basing some of my work off. Of. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. 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 For sure. 
right? Uh, yeah. And so, and right now, I'm also at an interesting time because I'm I'm starting to explore more with my photography. I also it it's still weird to call myself a photographer, mm-hmm. even though you've been doing it forever. Yeah, even if I've like, always had a camera on me for like <laughs> since I was nine. Like I, it's it's strange, um, and I think I'm discovering the kind of photography that really drives me now mm. in the last like month and a half. Oh, really? That's yeah, so exciting. it's really exciting because. Um, I, I've, I've been trying to do a lot of fashion uh, shoots and with like editorial kind of mm-hmm. projects. And I realize like I sit down and I'm trying to come up with a concept and I really struggle with it. I'm like, why am I struggling mm-hmm. so much? Like I love, I love the editorial aspect mm-hmm. of photography, you know, like it all makes sense to me. But then when I have to actually do it, it's just like I, there's no motivation. There's no drive. And then the last couple of, of weeks, I've realized that um, I also had to look at my work and realize what I was proud of and what I didn't really care for. Mm. And I realized that the things that the, the, the photos that I'm most proud of are photos that were either taken on the street mm. or I've asked a stranger for a portrait and I've actually had a conversation because I always try to mm-hmm. um, get to know the person a little bit. Right. Like sometimes it is they just have an interesting look and I want to take their photo, but I always love getting a little snippet of who they are. Yeah. Um, and so, and so that, those are the photos that I've, that I genuinely like love and I would love to do more. It's like human connection. Yes. I need it. I need it. And also when I, when I share the work, I've realized that part of the words that I share go with my photo, like explaining Mm. who that person is Mm -hmm. or like why they, Mm -hmm. why, why we connected, why I saw them and kind of give, a bit of context. And then I started doing more research and that's called documentary photography. <laughs> it has a name. And I was like, what is this? And so I started listening to podcasts and, um, and just observe, like just really absorbing, mm. um, photojournalist work and documentary photographers. And these are the people that are, that used to collaborate, that collaborate with National Geographic and mm-hmm. travel around the world, exploring the, you know, different parts of the world and understanding culture and um documenting reality and that's something that I've that I'm I think I really want to do right and I and it's it's so it's like this is this is why I brought these these magazines so it's I'm trying to absorb more of the content that I want to be doing Mm -hmm. that's so important and I sometimes not that I forget it but sometimes I don't do it as much as I should you know I'm like oh I should go see the things that I want to make yeah. that like inspire me yeah. mm-hmm. you know instead of just like going see, to see something to go see something you're like yes. oh I should go see a dance yeah. show I haven't seen a dance show I'm not interested in it yeah why am I spending my time and my money if I'm not going to be like pushed a little farther or right you know inspired yes right yeah I it's also like I was a bit scared I'm always scared to see work that I want to do because I'm just like oh I'm just going to be uninspired because someone is already doing it or someone's doing mm. it better. Mm. But it's in the last couple of weeks, I've just changed my mindset and it's in everything that I hear, read, look at, it's just inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wow, people are doing this, but they're also doing that. But then this and this, that. And then where do I, where do I want to be? And I feel like in the last couple of weeks with this kind of um, humanistic photography, I've kind of let myself dream more. Mm. And get more excited of the things of the projects that I want to be doing, 
Um, but you mentioned you're kind of like scared to show some of your work. So how does that yeah. fit into this? Do you just gonna it's, get over it? <laughs> that I hope. I mean, the thing is like with and I, I the arts have genuinely um, improved my relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. I think it's always been my tool to get out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't. So I did my first year of university, my second year of university. I didn't volunteer to shoot anything, direct anything. I was like, no, 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 no. I can't do this. I'm too scared. I'm this, no, no. Mm-hmm. and and then when I cha- I read a bunch of books that really opened my eyes. And then I was like, no, I need to start doing it. I need to start making mistakes so that I can keep growing. Right. I think when I finally allowed myself to make mistakes and get over that excruciating perfectionism that drives my life, <laughs> then I started understanding. It's like, oh, this is. Mm-hmm. This is what success is. It's not. It's, it's the end always, goal. It's like the process. It's always the process. Right. Yeah. And 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 I've translated that to my personal life all the time. So I, it's like photography or cinematography or the arts, push me. Mm-hmm. So I know that if I pursue this kind of photography, because it's, it's a very really intense. I'm I'm still trying to even see if I have what it takes to do mm-hmm. this kind of job because these people travel all around the world in very unsafe spaces and put themselves in very mm-hmm. difficult situations. And I've never done that before. So I know that it takes a certain level of, of courage and, yeah. and yeah. determination. Right. And so it, it would be a personal challenge. It'd be like, can I do it? Do I have it in me? I don't know. I've never explored it. So right. and you're not going to know until you So try. yeah. So I guess like photography is is like my love and and the art that I that I adore but it's also like mm-hmm. what has helped me discover who I am in terms of like my boundaries mm-hmm. That's great. Hmm. yeah so it's like that self-improvement comes <laughs> right comes no. with the work but I think that's any any artist or any person who's trying to make art because it's so personal so it ends right. up you always end up in, involving yourself somehow. Yeah, and you're right. always putting yourself in such a vulnerable position. You often have that personal connection. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. I feel like, for me, a successful project is when I make exactly what I wanted to make or something even better, yeah. and then I learn something for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Like an actual lesson, or I discovered something about myself. I'm like, oh, I handled this situation. Yeah, I did I it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that, do you guys share that? I share that like in the, in the process mm-hmm. of like, especially, I think I was very similar in university where I like, I didn't do anything. Like my first two years of university, I just like went to class. I didn't really audition for anything. I didn't really push my boundaries. I didn't like reach out to people. You know, I didn't do that either. Mm-hmm. And even in my last few years of university, it was like better, but still I wasn't like the biggest go-getter, but having experienced that outside of university has been like the process of me just being more comfortable in myself mm-hmm. and being like comfortable in making decisions and being okay with being wrong and being okay with making garbage because you're not going to make anything great without making garbage first. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is like really hard to think about. Cause you just want to be, cause mm-hmm. I look at all the people that inspire me yeah. movement wise and I'm like, yeah. I just want to do that. Mm-hmm. But also they didn't start out doing that either. Yeah. Right. Like they didn't start out that person. Mm-hmm. They, it was a process for their life. And I have to mm-hmm. remember that 
being only like 26 years old, it's okay to not be great, right? Mm-hmm. And remembering that every master started as an amateur. Yeah. No one, I mean, very limited people in the world were amazing at what they did right. naturally. Right. By just a miracle of, of, of life. Genetics and time. Just genetics and time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's hard. And for me, one of the things that, that started that change of mindset was seeing uh, a woman hold a camera, like on a film set, and be right. like, wait, that's awesome. She killed it I could do that too and she is her name is Vanessa and she's one of my closest friends and she's the person that like inspired me to just like Mm -hmm. just do it and that's the advice whenever I've talked with any person especially women in the industry is like just get over what you have in your head and do it because the next project is going to be better and better and better and you're just going to keep learning Mm -hmm. but it's also like we don't want to be judged and also social media doesn't help because you're always seeing people's work and only the and best you're always work. the best it's work, and it's a lie. <laughs> and you're always comparing yourself. It's not anyone's life. Yeah, it's not anybody's life. <laughs> no one's. That's where any lays down. Yeah, yeah. No one's life. <laughs> no one's life. But especially because I follow, I follow mostly creatives on Instagram, which mm-hmm. is great because it means like I'm always I, I either follow my friends or people that I admire their work. Yeah. And sometimes that's great. You have a day where you're just looking at people's work, and you're like, wow, this is so inspiring. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you have the day where it's like wow, this person's here doing this and I'm at home and I'm not working today. Oh, yeah. And I'm this and that. You're and like in getting... your PJs on the couch. You're yeah. like, I'm a slob. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have a reason to wake up in the morning. It's so real. It's just don't so go on real. Instagram. Just don't do yeah. it. Yeah. If you didn't wake up for a reason that morning, just throw your phone out the fucking window. You don't need <laughs> yes. to look at that. Yeah. I've actually, I just downloaded last week uh, this <laughs> app that tells you how much you're on your phone, which is really helpful and kind of scary. It's terrifying. And, and I've kind of, I've made it uh, a goal. Some days I accomplish it. Some days I don't where I don't look at Instagram for the first two hours of my day. And wow. the days where I've done it, I swear because you start your day thinking about what you're doing and not what everybody else is doing. And it's, it was such a light bulb moment. It's like, why have I not done this for mm-hmm. a longer time? Yeah. Because I don't... The first thing that I, that I do in my day, I don't want to see what Jenna is doing. Or like some fitness model that's up at 6 in the morning no. looking tweet. No. <laughs> Fuck that. It's like, figure out <laughs> how you're dealing with your day. And then I find like when I look at it hours later, because I know what I'm doing with my day and I'm doing, or or like I've thought about what I have to do, then I can be like, okay, now I can look at what other people are doing. Right, right, right. That's what, yeah. But it's, and then, but then this morning, for example, I was like, oh, and I was like scrolling through Instagram. So I'm such a hypocrite. It's like, it depends on the day, but it's, it's about like making the, the calls that are, that are best for you and your mental state. Right. But also like have forgiveness if you fuck and up. And have forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. And know that, you know. Yeah. Hold yourself accountable, but not too accountable. Yeah. Yes. Don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, Nora, we have to ask you the question. Is being an artist fucking killing you? <sighs> It's killing me, and it's building me. Oh, great. That's so nice. <laughs> Cute one. It's, um, it's killing me because, again, like I said, it's, it's really pushing my boundaries in terms mm-hmm. of self-doubt and, and discovering mm-hmm. who I am. And it's such a vulnerable career that you're always putting yourself out there. You're always creating work that will be um, consumed by someone else and ultimately judged whether for good or for bad. And like knowing that alone is terrifying. Yeah. Um, also about making um, 
art about yourself is really difficult and about your family and mm-hmm. and really putting yourself out there. But at the same time, it's like, I wouldn't want to do anything else. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Anything you want to plug right now, Noor? Do you have a project coming up? Do you want to be like, hey, see my work, X, um... Y, and Z? Check my Instagram before you throw your phone out the window. <laughs> I'm really bad at updating. I, I, I should be posting more, but it's like, I also don't, don't, don't care. Fuck, yeah. yeah. Um, it's struggle. <laughs> um, I don't have anything to plug because the film, the project that I'm most proud of is the documentary that I made about my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I still, it's like still on a private link. It's still like being protected. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully I'll, I'll start submitting it to festivals when I have the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately I would love to share it with, with people. But for now, you're really catching me at a time where I'm like sh- really shaping and exploring That's great. new work. So it's not so like I'm, I'm determined to do like, this is what I'm doing and this is the project that I've been working on. It's like, I've been, the last month has been research, but mm-hmm. it's been really positive because I don't, it's like I never let myself do research before and now I love it. And now when I have the time to, I'm just like research. listening to a new podcast or, or grabbing yeah. a bunch of different magazines. Mm-hmm. That's great. So nothing to plug. So That's all right. Plug. You don't have to. That's all right. You're still Thank an artist so even if you don't have anything to show anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing, like. That's what they always tell you. And when people go to film festivals um, with a film, the question they always ask is like, okay, what are, what are you working on next? Like, what's your next project? Oh, why do you have to be next? <laughs> and it's like, oh, just finish so this one. I just, like, let me... I, just, I just want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, let me figure out. There's a lot of, there's also a lot of, of pressure of like always having to be working on something. Right. Whereas That's I think there's artist. so much. I, t- I think about that yeah. all the time. I'm you, like, why? You always have to be doing the thing to be considered the thing that's and it's like yes why i'm more than just this and yeah. i am I'm a human that wants to sleep or wants to go fucking mm-hmm. party or mm-hmm. wants to run away for a little bit mm-hmm. i want to go disappear for like a month and a half and just like lay horizontal <laughs> yeah <laughs> have nobody talk to me mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my dream yeah <laughs> or just have some time to just figure it out and yeah. know yeah. where you want to be next because right. if, you, if you get that time for yourself and and to do that, then I'm sure that the next thing that you do right after that month of just thinking will be something that you actually really want to do. Right. And yeah. it'll have so much more worth mm-hmm. than just like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to do this for uh-huh. the sake of doing it and have something on Instagram to post. It's like, no, I'd rather mm-hmm. put exactly what I want to be putting out. Totally. Quality, not quantity. Yep. On that note. That's great. Thank you that so much. Great. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much for having me. This that was, was so such a lovely fun. conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Do you want to do our outro? You do it this time, baby. Oh, man. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Please follow us. Please uh, subscribe. Please like. Please do all the things. Please leave some comments. Please rate us. Gal pals. Send us an email. Whatever you want. Yeah. (laughs) Also, become a Patreon because we just sent out our first... Not our first, sorry. We sent out a really cool Patreon gift this past month. Yeah. And if you don't want to miss out on them, then become a Patreon and you'll get to see them. Yep. Woo! Woo! Bye. Bye.